dedications this morning, which have been fantastic. Um, the first baby that popped into my mind was um, our newest member of royalty, Prince George. I don't know whether many of you know much about him. I'm sure some of you follow kind of Will and Kate on Twitter and like to know kind of the latest details of what's going on in their life. Um, you know, recently got christened, like they've been all over the news. I mean, even, I'm not a royalist myself. I mean, I mean, I like royalty, but I don't particularly follow them. But even at the time of his birth, I, you know, I went on to BBC News. I wanted to know whether, whether she'd had her baby yet, how much he weighed, kind of, was he a boy or a girl? You know, everybody was talking about it. I mean, even my husband, Pete, some of you might know him. He's not into anything, kind of, that sort of thing at all. Yet even he was asking me, you know, has the baby been born yet? And we even watched a little clip together on the BBC News to, to find out about his birth. So why, why was there so much fuss about this baby? Why was everyone talking about him? Why did everyone know about all the details and things? It's because he, was gonna, or he is going to be our future king. He will one day rule and reign in this country. He's going to kind of do things in this nation that will hopefully be for the good. I mean, I did a bit of research on the internet about him to find out kind of what happened about the time of his birth. And um, apparently there was 25,000 tweets per minute about his birth. Per minute, that's a lot of tweets. And there was a massive media explosion. He was on the news, the TV, uh, newspapers, magazines. You know, everyone wanted to know about him. And this boy, well, this boy was born a celebrity before he was even a born. He was, he was um, famous. Everyone knew about him. He is, you know, he's a celebrity baby. Um, he's been born into status, into power, into wealth. Um, and I found that he already has an inheritance waiting for him of 700 million pounds. Just, you know, just waiting for him. So he's a, he's a rich boy. He's, a, he's a, a, a powerful, wealthy boy. When they welcomed him in, to the country. There were gun salutes all over the, the world in um, Canada, in Bermuda, in London, and bells rang all the way across the, um, the country just to welcome him in, to celebrate his birth. It was estimated that Britain spent 23, 230 million pounds just on celebrations. You know, think of, you know, this, you know, this boy, we celebrated his birth. So, Obviously, you know, that's George. He's a powerful, wealthy, popular celebrity baby. Now, I just want to pull you back 2,000 years to the birth of another baby, another king, the greatest king of all, our saviour, Jesus Christ. However, this baby was born into very different circumstances. So first, I just want to um, think about his, his mother, Mary. Who was she? Um, she was a teenage girl, probably about 12 or 13 at the time. Just an ordinary girl, nothing special about her. Yet God chose her to be the mother of, of Jesus. And if you think about kind of, kind of what that meant at the time, she was a teenage mum, unmarried. You know, at the time, her pregnancy would have been a scandal. She would have been shunned from her family, shunned from her community. Yet again, God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. So not an ideal start to his birth. And I'm sure, as you know, at the time, there was a census, and Mary and Joseph had to travel from um, Nazareth to Bethlehem. So this is a four-day uh, journey on the back of a donkey. I mean, even the method of transportation for Mary wasn't exactly glamorous. So, I mean, imagine travelling on a donkey for four days anyway, let alone being 
nine months pregnant, about to pop. You know, she could have given birth any day at any point. Yet they travelled all the way to Bethlehem, even to arrive at kind of no room at the inn. They had nowhere to go. You compare this to Prince William and Kate. You know, he had his helicopter waiting on standby. You know, he just popped into his helicopter when he wanted to go off. They had their hospital of choice, and they probably had the best doctors, the best midwives. Anything they would have needed, they would have had provided for them. You know, such a contrast. Not exactly a journey of pain and suffering like Mary and Joseph would have undertaken. In Philippians 2, verses 8, it said that he, meaning Jesus, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being found in, li- in human likeness. So even the fact that Jesus was born in itself is incredibly humbling. The fact that he became a baby. I mean, if you think about babies, they just poo, wee, feed, sleep, fart, puke. You know, not exactly the most glamorous of, of you know, people. I mean, I love babies. I've got one myself. But, you know, it's, it is quite, you know, it's mundane. <laughs> well, it's not mundane. I love being a mum. <laughs> but the pooing and the, and the vomit. <laughs> But Jesus, he was the creator of the universe in complete glory, yet he chose to be a baby, to be completely reliant and independent on Mary and Joseph, needing them for his survival, needing them to teach him and to grow him and to teach him how to talk and play with him. Not only was Jesus born, not only was that humbling, just think of kind of what he was born into. I mean, he was born into a stable And I know we kind of picture this nice nativity scene and it's all nice and fluffy and Jesus laying in his manger and there's, you know, it's, it's quite a nice little scene to picture. But actually, if you think about what a stable is, it's where animals live. It's full of poo and dirt. I mean, the thing I would be worried about is kind of the hygiene. I mean, how unhygienic would that be to give birth in a, in a stable? And he was, you know, he was born in a manger. And again, I mean, we've got a little box down here that's full of hay. It's quite an, it sounds like quite a nice idea that he was born in a nice little wooden box filled with hay. But actually, it was a cattle trough. It's a, you know, just a, a mere box that animals ate out of. Again, dirty and disgusting. Yet this was the first place that Jesus lay. Think of kind of the humility that he had to undergo, even just to kind of lay in a crib. Jesus here has literally made himself nothing. He has kind of in the, the lowest of society, he's taken the lowest place possible by just even being born into the circumstances that he was. Again, you compare this to Prince George. Born in a sanitized, posh hospital, probably kind of born into silk sheets and a nice, beautiful crib made of ivory and the kind of the most designer clothes. I mean, even that in itself, even if Jesus was born into that, that would have been a massive step down for him. He emptied himself of his glory and his honor and his power in order to come into the world. And think about the fans that Prince George had waiting outside of the hospital for him. Thousands and thousands of people just waiting to get a glimpse of him. Probably some of the most important people in the world were watching his birth. You know, if they weren't there, they were probably watching on TV. 
you compare this to Jesus. Who, who went to visit Jesus? Who were the first people to come and see him? It was the shepherds. And again, I think, you know, our nativity scene kind of sets them up to be these gentle old men in, with tea towels on their head and their staff. But actually, shepherds in those days were, again, the lowest of society. They were poor, uneducated, smelly, and because they moved from town to town, nobody trusted them. They were so low in society, yet they couldn't, they couldn't even testify in court. You know, they didn't even have that right. Yet God chose these men, the lowest of society, to come and be there at Jesus' birth, to be the first to witness them, first to, to kind of welcome him into the world. When a king or a future king is born, like Prince George... I think we we must all think of honour and pride and money and power. Yet Jesus' birth involves humiliation rather than the things that the world sees it as. I mean, looking at this, looking at the contrast in Prince George and Jesus, God's, you know, God has lived, it's an upside down world. God's world is an upside down world. Glory is not what the world sees it as, as power, popularity, strength, and money. But I believe true glory comes for humiliation and service. I mean, if you were to think about George in 50 years' time, when he's a, the king of the country, imagine if, if he just gave up his throne, his status, his title, to live in a two-up, two-down, work all hours under the sun, just to know kind of what his people kind of had to go through. I mean, imagine that. We'd think he was absolutely crazy. We'd think he'd lost the plot. I don't think he'd ever do that. Yet God did that for us a millionfold. 2 Corinthians 8 verses 9 says that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So God sent his son into such humble circumstances so that we might be rich. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Not only to be born for us, but also to die for us. By being fully human and completely perfect, he acted as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be sons and daughters of God. I mean, that is just incredible. The Christmas story gives us a glimpse of what God is like. It uses Jesus' humble beginnings to show us how much he loves us. And to the extreme lengths that, that he would go to, to, to save us and to be in relationship with us. He'd send his son um, yeah, to be born into, into the circumstances that he was in so that we can be in relationship with him. He gave up his glory to be conceived into shame, to be born as a helpless baby in a smelly stable, and then to be rejected and then to eventually even give up his life for us. As much as I'm sure our future king, Prince George, is going to be a brilliant king, and I hope and pray that he will be a brilliant king over our nation, I'm sure he will do some amazing things and serve us well. However, he will never understand the heartache and the struggles and the pain that just everyday people go through. He will never understand that. The only king who will ever understand the only king who will, who will truly know your heart and know what you're going through is the greatest king of all, Jesus. Brilliant. So I'm just going to 
end there and hand over to Pete and the worship team. We're going to just sing one more carol. So it'll be brilliant just to, yeah, just to worship him, just to, just to finish off. <laughs>